Good morning. Good morning. It's bloody good to be here with you, Will. Will Googe, our newest guest on the live show. Um, for all those who will be hearing this as audio on the podcast, um, just to give you a bit of reference as you may hear some pointers to a live show. This is recorded live on Facebook. Um, welcome to everyone who's tuning in live. Uh, very excited to have you on this uh, for a chat here, Will. Um, a guy who um, I have a huge amount of respect for, uh, a, a very fascinating guy with a plenty of um, interesting yarns and, and journeys to his name. Um, so thank you so much for being here. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. What time did you get to bed last night? Uh, about half one, two. And why? Why was that? Why so late? Uh, well, my plan didn't go as straightforward as I thought. Um, I was on day two of my 12 marathons of Christmas, so one a day, every day for 12 days, started on Monday, um, and my last one will be on Christmas Day. I was on a photo shoot up, up north in Manchester. Everything was going great, and then, unfortunately, some things happened that made the, uh, the shoot go over by two and a half hours, and... I wasn't fast enough to do a marathon in about two hours thirty-five, so I had to I had to take the train home and then get after it when I got home. So I started it uh, just before half nine, so yeah. I wrapped it up at one o'clock or something. Wow! So um, there's a bit of an insight into when you're a dude who's taken on an unbelievable challenge: twelve marathons at Christmas. Um, but you're you're still getting on with everyday life, and uh, you got you got bits and pieces to get done. You got a shoot in Manchester, uh, you got a game to catch, but you got you got a marathon a day to do for twelve days. It's pretty insane. Um, themselves do that, G. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, Will, I I would love, I want to get into some of the cool challenges challenges that you've done. Um, I guess. For everyone here who doesn't know who Will Googe is, um, Will Googe is a guy who has come on board as a, as a pure sport ambassador. He's been on board with us for a good two years now. He was one of our very first pure sport ambassadors. Um, and the way that took place was Will was undertaking a, a mammoth challenge, uh, a ultra marathon um, from John O'Grotz to Land's End. Um, and Will has gone on to take on board some unbelievable running challenges. Um, but as I alluded to earlier, there's there's many sort of facets to who Will Googe is. But um, Will, to kick off, I, I would love to kind of get an insight into where the where the story began for Will Googe. Like as a young young Will Googe, you know who you were, what life was like growing up and a bit of an insight into the story. Young Will Googe, well, my dad used to call me Chub Chub, so there's there's one intro to, <laughs> to who I was. But um, no, born and raised in Amptel, a town that I, I still live in now, today. Uh, it's a small town in Bedfordshire. I don't know what the population is, maybe like 5,000 something, so a pretty small one. Um, growing up, I lived, I don't know, what you'd call sort of the idyllic, normal life, if you had to, if you had to choose 
how to grow up or what it's what it should look like the natural order of things i guess that's what i was living um went to the local school nothing ever really went wrong had food on the table had a family holiday every year uh yeah everything everything was hunky-dory i had i had no issues no dramas i was just you know living the dream playing football playing rugby any kind of sport i could do i was doing and yeah it was it was as normal or what you'd consider what you'd think is the ideal normal childhood life is exactly what i had really good and you went on to play a bit of rugby too um a, a good level of rugby for Amtel. um yeah lovely boy. who's a bit of a local rivalry for my last club bedford Amtel gave us a good few hidings last season so it wasn't much fun but you you were along at a few games and you so you actually had a few seasons under your belt with um Amdul. and you, how, how was that for you and, and obviously getting to that level uh you know Amdul in the championship now i think when you were playing there in the national one on their way up uh really on the rise how how what was your sort of experience with rugby as a kid did what were your ambitions well, growing up, I was, I was actually never any good. Um, I still would argue that even even when I was at my best, I was I was effective because I just did all the shit that no one else wanted to do. I stuck to my strength. I wasn't flashy. I wasn't giving it some of the grace and around the back offloads like that. That just wasn't me. What I lacked for in my skill set, I made up for in uh, just des- just desire really, and um, just doing the simple things right. So, growing up, I remember my dad came to me one day because my brother was good like my brother was doing all the all the stuff like playing county doing the east midlands thing uh he did like beds academy before he went off to university so he was always doing like the good stuff and i was that kid that was in the team because i had mates in the team <laughs> so i'd be on the bench or they might let me play but really i was just there for the crack and i was like you sure you don't want to just like do fishing because <laughs> and I was like, no, Dad, I actually really, I actually really like it. Even though I suck, I like it. <laughs> and then what what kind of changed for me was controlling the controllable. Like, sure, I could have worked on my skills every day, but I thought there was a, a ceiling to what I could do with that. So as soon as I was 15, 16, I got in the gym and I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but it was, I know I can get better from the right s- size and shape for rugby in the position I play. I was playing 12, so I was like, I'm just going to be the big ball-carrying, hard-hitting 12, don't throw offloads, pass it maybe twice in the game on average. And that's what I did. So I kind of... Every every English rugby team needs a good up-the-back midfielder. So I had to fit a mould I could fit. um, And the way Amtel went was kind of how I went as well. So when I was 17, 18, I was playing from then I was in the men's team and well playing seconds and then as they kind of went up from the Marmite Snickers South Bedfordshire League up to Nat 1 I kind of rode that way for them so for me I never thought I'd get paid to play rugby and in the end I was it, it was not a lot at all but yeah if you'd have told me when I was 12 and on the bench for the B team I'd have been like ah, don't believe it but cheers yeah. it's pretty amazing man like I, I remember playing rugby in Auckland, and, and Auckland uh, is it's like a hotbed of rugby talent. Like mm. so many 
guys grow up living and breathing rugby. There's so many rugby players. The Pacific Island boys are like unbelievable athletes. They're, they're so solid and strong at a young age, skillful. Um, and, and and there's so many great rugby players. Um, and what what's amazing is some of the guys that I played with that were, you know, 14, 15, that were the absolute superstars. Like you could have said, this guy carves up so much. He's definitely going to be an all black. Mm. Some of these guys, um, they didn't go on to fulfill their potential. Um, but then on the flip side, there were some guys who had similar stories to what you just um, outlined with your own journey that, they weren't the ones that were outstanding, but almost through that, they had a different level of like commitment to to really like get stuck in, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those guys are actually the ones that I've seen go on to to have like the best careers. Um, in fact, a guy, uh, Aaron Smith, he's the All Black number nine now, one of the best, arguably the best scrum half in the world. I remember being his roommate for New Zealand under 20 trials and he had him and I he we had both never made a national rep team we'd maybe scraped into a couple regional rep teams um and he's a guy who is an example to me of in high school he wasn't the superstar he was a pretty standard player um and man he worked so hard and he had that kind of extra drive to kind of like he knew that he couldn't rely on the talent um so it, it's 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 kind of cool like how uh, that aspect um it plays such a massive part in our path you know um mm -hmm. would you say that that kind of commitment and mentality realizing that actually i can't rely on uh just on skills or talent you know i can always work on developing these things but there's there's something within my control that i can get stuck into here um would you would you say that that mentality has played a part in these challenges these running challenges that you have undertaken definitely i, I mean i didn't realize it at the time but i guess that's always been who i've been and i'm only starting to realize it now but um yeah, definitely, because it's like, sure, I, I'll do these ultra marathons and I'll, real, I'll run real far, sure, give me a round of applause, great. But if you put me in an arena with elite ultra athletes in actual events, I, I'm not getting close to them. What I'm going to be good at is basically I'll, basically I'll never stop and I'll, I'll, give it, I'll give it my absolute all. So yeah. I'm still kind of, when I turn up to the start line at actual events, everyone's like, why is why is this hench guy here? I mean, I'm not as hench as I was, but I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not running shape. But yeah, yeah. I just I'll, I'll I'll keep going. Yeah, because how? What are you? Are you about six foot two, six foot three, and about ninety one kgs? Yeah, about that. Um, I normally float around. Right. I did ask you your weight yesterday, but um, so that was that wasn't a guess, but <laughs> a good guess on the height. But for for do like. We're going to get into this further, by the way, so I'll, I'll just touch on it now. But you ran 870-odd uh, miles. Yeah. Um, man, like guys that are running these long distances, they're usually very, very lean. Um, 
small frames, not a lot of weight through the joints. So it's that's a kind of insight into, you know, how much kind of strain is going through the body and the joints um, when you're undertaking these challenges in comparison to perhaps some of these runners who are more kind of built and equipped for this um, this stuff. Obviously, when we first came together, um, you know, the thing I loved the most about you was you were taking on these challenges, uh, this particular challenge that John got to Land's End, um, 870-odd miles, for a far bigger cause than yourself. It wasn't about you saying, oh, I've done this, or um, it was for a bigger picture. Um, and it was something that was meaningful to me through my own journey and experiences um, and something that I really resonated with. But as well, what you touched on is I feel it what the challenges you undertake fit in so well with pure sport because like you said you don't see yourself as the most elite or competitive or advanced runner um you're a guy who's showing quote unquote everyday people that mm. you can undertake unbelievable things and test your limits and you don't have to be seen as or look at yourself as a pro athlete or an elite athlete to be able to do amazing stuff. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of understand, or I want, I understand, but I want the people listening to get an insight into what inspired you to undertake this um, John O'Gots to Land's End, because to me it's an unbelievably inspiring and touching story. So if, if you're happy, I'd love for you to kind of share that journey and how you undertook that. For sure. Um, so as I sort of alluded to earlier, like you asked me about my childhood, everything was sweet, isn't that? <laughs> like I, could, I, could, I had no complaints, everything, everything was great. When I heard that other people were upset, I'd be like, I'd, I'd be like, I don't get it. Like sh you can control that, like life isn't that bad. So I was very ignorant in that sense. It's not something, I, it's not something I'm proud of, but um, nothing ever went wrong in my life. and. Um, at this, this was in 2017. My mum got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which she she ended up having. She had cancer three times. Um, um, at this point, it was the it was the summertime, and I was in LA because my ex lives there. Um, and at the time, I was still playing rugby, so the idea of running for me was a total total waste of time. I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie. I wasn't. I wasn't high-fiving my teammates were doing something good. I wasn't scoring. We weren't winning. It was just it was just a finish, so I didn't get it. But anyway, back to being in LA. I'm having cancer. For some reason, I woke up one morning. The sun hadn't risen yet. I was staying in Santa Monica, and I decided to get up and go for a run for no particular reason at all. I got down to the concierge desk because I was at a hotel. And I was wearing trainers, and I just gave them in. I don't know why I did that. I was thinking beach run, it would be nice to get my toes in the sand. Anyway, I started running and I didn't run on the beach, well, I ran on the beach, but on the board, boardwalk. So it's slatted um, two by four timber, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I thought I'd go out for 10, 15 minutes, but what I ended up doing was I just, I kept running and I was like, okay, I'll run until I see the sun rise over this mountain or hill, or whatever is in the distance and towards Malibu. 
And what I ended up doing was running all the way to the end of that beach and then running all the way back. And I didn't know how far I went at the time, but I think it worked out of being 14 kilometers. Wouldn't have been fast. Um, but when I got back, I had blood blisters and shit all over my feet, but I didn't, I didn't care. I was in, I was in that sort of elated mood that you get from a long run or running in general that I still get to this day. And a lot of people will talk about it as runners high or when they get back from a run, they feel really happy. And it's just, it's just endorphin flows. So there is some science behind it. But when I did get back to the hotel, I had a call from my mum because she had spoken to her doctor and she got told she was in remission. So the cancer, the cancer was gone. She didn't have to have treatment anymore. So the the combination of first long run absolutely stoked from that didn't understand it but hey i was having a great time and the best news i've ever had um kind of solidified something in me at that point that i've revisited later so unfortunately it was about nine months after that she actually passed away um and there was a moment there obviously i'm, de I'm absolutely devastated at this point and as i said nothing had ever gone wrong before I'd had grandparents pass away, but that was the natural order of things. Um, never had anyone sort of close to me pass away before their time, other than maybe a neighbour. But was, but obviously that's not that's not my mum. So totally devastated. Not sure what to do. Kind of lost. I have an opportunity here to wave a white flag and just use that every opportunity. Like, ah, oh, I'm gonna go and get fucked up. I'm I'm gonna give up on this. I'm gonna do whatever but what I did instead out of respect for her was I, I tried to it literally became my therapy from from that point out like I'd have I'd have conversations with people sure like I wasn't a total closed book but no one was reading the whole thing so I dealt with I dealt with my demons and emotions out on the pavement and sometimes I'd run and I'd be crying when I was running sometimes I'd be happy but um, whatever sort of mood I was in, I, I would get back and feel a little bit better so I could, I could get that piece of sort of the happiest I've ever been from that LA run back every time I ran. So it didn't fix things, but that's what I did. Um, and so following that, um, the first Christmas after she passed away, mums are all about Christmas. Well, my mum was at least cooks the turkey, does the dinner, wraps the presents, puts the tree up, decorates the tree, invites everyone around. She does everything. So I'm not looking forward to it, obviously. So that I had been running. I don't think I'd ever run that far at that point. I might have done like a 16K or something, but I decided to half take my mind off things and half um, do, do something good and elevate her as a reason for doing something good so i i ran a map my first marathon on that christmas day following um raised money for mcmillan cancer support who i'm raising money for now and the primrose unit at bedford hospital that did most of her care um ended up i think we raised about fourteen thousand in the end which was totally insane to me and i was getting a lot of good feedback from it and as soon as i finished that i was like what what else can i do what what is more than what I've done and I've I'd heard of ultramarathons so I was like sure I can do some of those um I t first of all I thought why don't I run from the top of England to the bottom it's like exactly down the middle <laughs> and then someone was like why don't you just do John O'Groats to Land's End I was like well wait don't people cycle that 
thinking that I that it was just a cycle route. And they were like, yeah, but you like anyone can do it. So that's where that idea came from. And yeah, I ended up running it. Wow. Man, it's pretty amazing um to run your first ever marathon. Um and to raise 14,000 pounds for Macmillan Cancer. Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty unbelievable thing and, a, and such a, um, amazing, it's such an amazing thing to do in memory of your mum, you know? Um, I think it's, it's obviously I know of, I lost my father um, who was, you know, the closest guy to me and from getting to know you will, seems that your your relationship with your mum was was very very close and um it's it's meaningful to carry them with us isn't it mm, uh, for sure. and you know the way i love to is uh I, I, when when my dad first passed away I, I found it very very difficult to talk about it um or even talk about him who was my favorite person um and 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 almost I think it was a bit because I feel perhaps as men we we maybe are taught or, or learn not taught but we kind of pick up we shouldn't we don't show our emotion that much or or if something's really difficult or heartbreaking we we don't express it or show yeah, it well yeah we man up and I think my biggest challenge was uh, I always people would be like oh you're and it's kind of tough because it's awkward for people they don't really know how to address it either and especially yeah. if you're closed off it kind of is a bit awkward but when people be like oh you're good like they knew it was the most devastating thing and i'm sure the same for you and people are, like, are you okay and i'd be like yeah i'm all good mm -hmm. um, so i think the to me it sounds like you found something within you that is a place of connection with your mum, you know, when you're out running. Was sure. um, am I right in saying like you you there's a sense of like there's that connection still there, and it's it's keeping that kind of bond. Yeah, definitely. And like like with you, after she passed, people thought I was dealing with it too well. Like at the funeral, I was on I was in good form. Um, I delivered a speech there and rang it off. All the way to the end and then only just started crying at that point but some, that's also something i've found since then is when i'm doing the challenge or whatever thinking about it or thinking about finishing i get very emotional about it or thinking about her while i'm running but then when it comes to the end or the delivery like of the speech that's when i feel what my strongest and when i feel she's kind of there backing me up and i'm i'm proud to to deliver it and sort of a very, a very strong and direct way rather than maybe breaking down where like you'd think I would yeah. Um, but yeah in in terms of running and and feeling connected to her she she loved gardening she was always outside there's I spoke about it last time my story but this particular run I did yesterday was the route that I did basically every night when I was very emotional after she passed and there's there's a lavender bush on the way. We had lavender bushes outside our house when we were growing up. So that reminds me of her. There's there's always things that happen. Picture 
reminds me of her and then I might see like a Robin and then when I'm running along I'll see another one or the same one and just assume it's her looking down on me so I get I get those little connections where things might seem a bit strange or uh, you know should, shouldn't have happened and they do and then I, I I assume it's like a little sign from her so I get immense like satisfaction in yeah. like feeling her presence when I'm doing these things it, it, it's it's kind of interesting isn't it because for some people these speaking like like these signs or these connections might sound a bit like eerie fairy mm. and, and if I hadn't experienced the passing of my dad and then these type of things happening to me um I would be like oh it sounds a bit of a concept but mm. what these things happening and these little reminders or these like I mean the kind of just things that you 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 would never be able to kind of make up um that happen and it's just like wow that that has to be like you know some sort of connection mm -hmm. um they almost give you an insight into the fact that there is something kind of like you know without getting too kind of philosophical or spiritual like there is some sort of bigger connection going on here and i feel one of the Although it was the most challenging time of my life and still one of the biggest, you know, like hardships for me is not having my dad. I I can't help but feel thankful for what I've learned from his passing because it's allowed me to see there's something bigger at play that I didn't, I don't think I had any idea of before that. And it kind of it seems like what you're seeing with these moments of connection and reminders and uh little amazing kind of little insights would you say it's a similar type thing yeah definitely and i'd, I'd say i'm a better person because it because of it um i'm not saying i would ch I, I would swap everything right now to have a back for sure end of story um but i'm i'm a better rounded person because of because of that and I, I use her as my reasoning for doing a lot of things in my life. Um, and all the things I use for her reasoning are, are all positive things. So, yeah, it's like it's, it's homage to her and the, the effect she had on me as sort of a, as a kid and growing into a young man that I hold her in such high esteem that I can't, I can't just waste this time I've got now because I'd feel like, it wasn't doing her justice hmm. yeah no it's um i think an amazing testament to the wonderful special lady that she was but also a legacy that's like carried on within you you know of her which is um yeah I, i'm always in my experience i'm thankful i'm like forever grateful that i had my dad for 21 years yeah, um, lucky because now yeah and i'm like for for a few years i was i hated the world man you yeah. know and i didn't i didn't find something like running to put my focus into i threw my rugby away i i was the one who was like fuck this i'm just gonna get wasted i i i, I hate the world um but when i had an insight into what you're talking about that that sense of connection with my dad that even though he was passed my life became more of like uh i'm gonna honor you know that what he did for me and, mm -hmm. and 
you know his kind of memory um so it's just it's cool it's like you you take the it's a, it's a it's a sign of life that you can take the most difficult horrible experience and turn it into something of strength and insight and hope um and i think that's the most inspiring thing from me as your friend but also you know seeing your journey that you're doing that with a bigger picture you know um with your runs and how you're able to carry that story through your running through your challenges to give hope and inspiration to other people but also to raise money for these unbelievable charities that are going to help people too which is um mandy will be bloody smiling down mate that's for sure and uh, me for sure she wouldn't she probably wouldn't like what i was doing and she'd be <laughs> my grand so her, her mum i call her ma uh she's still around and they're very similar in that fact whereas they're they're the nicest they're the nicest people on earth but they're always they were always like oh you don't you don't have to do that or don't do too much because they're protective but um at the end of the day they they respect or would respect um what i'm doing and would be the first at the first at the finish line give me a hug as i finished it probably yeah. incredible after <laughs> yeah but like what the heck are you bloody doing will but i'm proud, yeah. proud of you proud of you um mate to tell us a bit about some of the mental challenges not just mental but physical as well of this john o'grots to lands in break me down like the actual kilometers the time in which you did it um and get like a bit of insight into the training you did how much mm. training i was going into it um and yeah man i'll just love to hear how it was the experience of it so if you're going from running 26.2 miles to attempting to do 875 there is no training plan i don't think on earth that is going to make it easy i don't think there's any training plan whatever level of runner you are to make to make that sort of a walk in many parks um and with a lot of things in my life like all through school i kind of just winged, i kind of winged it i was the guy that didn't didn't really um revise or anything um would get to I'd get to exam day and i'd i'd do i'd do okay or i'd do enough so that was kind of similar with the training plan of course i was running more than i i would have done i did i did another two marathons in that time and two ultra marathons so my first one was london to brighton which is a really really cool one so you hear a lot of people biking it um the run is a different route because most of it's trail which i didn't know because wing it i didn't read the uh I didn't I didn't read the pre-race thing. I was just like, oh, I'm gonna turn up and have, have a bloody good time out in the sun. <laughs> but I don't remember what time of year it was. It was freezing. Um so that was a 63 miler, and I think that took me about 16 hours to do. Um if I was to do it now, it'd obviously be a lot less, but learned a lot that day about um pushing past boundaries that I perceived as when I was finished. So I got I got an inkling into into that world um, and still still enjoyed it and I I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and a book by David Goggins who's a total savage but I love the guy um, so I was kind of, I was kind of just trying to be like Goggins towards the end I don't know if you, if the people watching or listening at any point 
they'll they'll probably know who the guy is but yeah he's a freak I'll, I'll definitely google him after this anyway at least yeah you should you should and he's got a real good book and get it in the audiobook version because he talks it through and they go through all the chapters um as sort of a podcast thing with him and the narrator um but he talks about something called taking souls where when he was in the marines um seal training um he was going through hell week and obviously it's an, it's an awful experience and uh, sort of the uh, their superiors put put them through hell. That's why it's called Hell Week. And he uh, he made something up called Taking Souls, where however bad it got, that him and his his team would always have a smile on their face, and <coughs> excuse me, they would take the souls of their superiors by by basically never giving up and and sometimes singing when they were doing these awful things. So. When I got to the last ten miles of that, it was it was taking souls time for me. I mean, it's not nowhere near on the same level. I'd gone through the day as my usual kind of buoyant self, laughing and joking at all the eight stations, and then it got to the last ten mile or the last ten k, and I was like, "Nah, it's time to." Like there was a guy that I was leap from. We were going back and forth, and it got to a point I was like, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm smoking this guy. <laughs> he's never he's never going to see me again. I'm going to take his soul." And then from that point on. I decided that every person I see, however far away they were, I was going to get past them. So the last 10K was was savage mode. And that was a big learning curve for me because I would need that in abundance when I was doing Johnny Goats to Land's End. Um, yeah, I did one other ultra that was, it's called The Wall. So it's the, the length of Hadrian's Wall. It goes from uh, Carlisle to Newcastle. Um, and like I said, two other marathons. And then, then I was beginning, but... I'd never done a marathon and ran the next day. I'd never did that. I was in bits. And obviously when I did the ultras, I didn't run for maybe a week. So all of a sudden I'm in a scenario where day one, I ran 63 miles and it was go to sleep, get up and <laughs> you kind of got to do the same thing or get close to it because the only way I was getting out of it was finishing. So yeah, the first day, the first day went well because I'd run that distance before, and obviously, I was buzzing. I was I was in a place I'd never been before. I was doing something huge, and I was doing it for my mum. And I told everyone I was doing it, and I had had friends come in. Like, I, he's he's my brother now, Josh Josh Warner, who him and my brother had a business together. They were always friends. Um, he gave up work from basically a month to come and help me two weeks before I started because um he was calling me because he's in the events world and he listed off these questions have you done this and it's like nah you done this I was like oh yeah no. <laughs> have you done this it got to like the third question we were at breakfast in Wogan not too far from here and he just like shook his head and next to me he goes uh, I'm gonna help you with this because <laughs> the whole thing, like that concept of winging it, it, cont it continued the whole time. Um, so he was on board, and a great oh, friend. Of mine, in terms of like, where are you gonna sleep? What's your stock point? What, yeah, basically, what kind of your fuel, your food. Yeah, your like, had you had you just sort of kind of thought these things through roughly, and this dude was like, bro. <laughs> If you're going to run 870 odd miles from John O'Rourke to Lands Inn, yeah. you need to have specific things yeah. about you. You're a bit like, oh, fuck. Maybe yeah. I, didn't have, I didn't have any vehicles at this point. I didn't have support vehicles. So I didn't have anything in place. And 
another guy, Robbie Ballinger. I call him Belanger because it sounds way cooler. Um, he's a guy I'd met in the lead up and kind of an, a, um, what's it called? A showing of how social media can actually be amazing rather than just this bullshit world, bullshit world where people are selling anything and everything. Um, Again, I was in LA, went to a cryotherapy place because they let me go and use it. I love, I'm hot on my recovery and using the best stuff, taking the best supplements, all that kind of stuff. I'm really interested in recovery in general because of what I do. It's, it's, an, it's something I have to know or at least have an inkling into what's good. So cryotherapy, I was there. The guy was like, oh, you should follow this guy. Robert Belenga, he's he's running from uh, LA to New York, so he's running across the whole thing. It's like three thousand two hundred miles or whatever. I was like, yeah, I really should follow that guy because this was before I started my challenge. This was in March, um, so I follow him from like day seven to day seventy-five when he finishes. So he's averaging forty-two miles a day, and this at this point, I've watched basically every day and read every post, and I'm like, this guy is insane. I'm not going to message him like when he's finished because there'll be press, everyone will be interested in what he's done. I'm going to wait a week. So there I go, waiting a week. <laughs> What's the time? Not been a week yet. <laughs> a week passes, bang, message. Like, bro, you did amazing. Watch from this point, this is how I found you. By the way, I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. Um, would love to pick your brains. I told him my backstory. I would love to pick your brains, um, just get some advice because basically I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. Um, and so he agrees. We have we did we we had a call, and I was like buzzing after the call. And at the time, I was still going to LA quite a lot, and he lives in Denver. So I was there for July, for Fourth of July. And before I went, I messaged him. I was like, "Hey, Robbie, uh, I don't suppose you'd be keen to get like a training run in if I fly into Denver." And he was like, yeah, for sure, definitely. So I flew to LA as normal, went to my apartment, went to sleep for like three hours, woke up, went back to LAX, was on the 6 a.m. flight to Denver. He picks me up from Denver airport. We drive to Boulder, which is already at elevation, by the way. I don't know what elevation it was, but I'm not <laughs> basically sea level. And we're at like, two, I don't know what it is, 2,000 meters, whatever, but the air is thin. I'm dehydrated, I'm jet lagged, I've hardly slept, and we're going on a 10 mile trail run up a hill, <laughs> up a hill in Boulder. So he drags me around, and obviously he's still kind of hurting, so wasn't in tip top condition from what he'd done. But I was basically passing out towards the end. We got down, I didn't have any water with me, so I was an idiot for that, that fact as well. He had these two tiny little handhelds. So we finished. We go, so we go get some food, have a beer, and then we're at, we're at his place afterwards. And he shows me his spreadsheet of his planning. Pages. Mm. Fuel, Strava links to each day, what shoes he'd be wearing, how many miles he'd done, what state he's in, what gas cost, what, how many calories he needed. And I was like, wow. hold up, I've done absolutely none of this. He did, I didn't tell him this at this point, but when he was there, he sat me down when we were going over. I was like, yeah, this is so helpful. Thanks for this. And he's like, what? I'm going to come help you do yours. <laughs> I was like, wow. 
I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm going to come out. He was like, I have to ask my fiance Sh- Shelly, because I have just ran for 75 miles and she, she had to work and wasn't there the whole time. So he had to ask her, but he did end up coming. So right. I've said, sorry to interrupt, man. It's unbelievable. Like, don't get me wrong. I feel concerned about some aspects of social media, but it's more mm. so human beings kind of habitual and addictive tendencies. But obviously you see the documentary, like um, what's it called? The social. Oh uh, yeah. Social network. Social network, whatever. Other oh, the one on Netflix about the algorithms that they play on our kind of habitual tendencies. And even when I'm trying to work and stuff, I find my thumb going from email habitually to like, Instagram, you know, but anyway, that is such a cool sign of technology, how it can connect great people that never would have had the opportunity to connect before. Yeah. You go from being inspired by this dude's unbelievable run, ask him a question. It's cool enough to bloody travel, meet the dude to do a training run. Mm-hmm. But then the man is willing to come from America to the yeah. UK to support you on a run. It's, um, it's it's amazing, man. Like it's just these kind of things uh, I find amazing. I mean, I, I connected with a guy on my Instagram a couple a week or so, a couple weeks back. From a, he heard me on a podcast I did in New Zealand. He hit me up to talk about pure sport products. He said him and his old man were having a tough time. Um, they're having some bad aches and pains. And he was really interested in hearing about the CBD products. Told him all about the products. He asked me about which ones are best, how to use it, blah, blah, blah. And then the last thing he was like, oh, we're, we're in New Zealand from, I asked him where he's in New Zealand. He said he's from Wellington. I go, oh, my grandparents live in Wellington. Just like, you know, normal conversation. Yeah. He goes, Bro, I'm going out fishing with my old man. Uh, I'm going to drop some sea, some seafood off to your grandparents. I go, no, nah, don't worry, bro. You don't have to do that. He's like, nah, this is what I love to do. Anyway, drops it off to my grandparents. Bro. That is the like, <laughs> day of my grandparents' life. I've not been able to see them for a couple of years because I'm over here. Mm. But just this lovely local dude going there for no other purpose but to be a good dude, drop these things. Like my grandparents, it was the day of their life. Like they were so happy. I'm in the good books because he, <laughs> he told my grandparents he was doing on behalf of me. Mm-hmm. And really, just a legend. Um, but, you know, it's, it's so cool, like, the power of connecting with people. Uh, to me, that story with, with Robbie, it's, it's, it's amazing, man. Like, and he's a friend of yours, you know, now to this day, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, so the, the whole thing was filmed, and uh, he flew over for the little evening we put on showing, showing that juggle film. Um, we have plans to do challenges together. He's hope, hoping to come over if COVID COVID finishes and he's got a three peaks challenge to do. So I've signed signed up straight away. It's like I am forever indebted to that guy more than more than just for him kept giving me his time for that. He just gave me his whole self and is a guy that I'll constantly look up to and seek advice from. So yeah, I owe that guy a lot. And yeah, the, the power of social media sometimes f- for connecting in the ways we've just said is is insane and wouldn't be able to happen if it wasn't there. So, 
yeah, sometimes it's an incredibly valuable tool. And like you said, sometimes you end up and it's been 45 minutes and you're scrolling through some discovery feed and you're like, my, my brain is actually melting yeah. seeing this stuff because it's such a waste of time. And I'm not present with my friends. I'm at a dinner, the phone's there. That's why I love that whole thing of like the phone's in the middle thing where you go out for dinner. And I think, I think we, everyone should adopt that way more. And watching the social network and things like that, it gives you it gives you a kick up the ass to be present and especially like with you with your grandparents you really have to think about it that we we all have a certain amount of time on this planet and there are special people that we love and some of the time we are wasting our time when we're with them sometimes you should just you need to put it down mm. have those conversations and actually because they have like your grandparents and stuff have a wealth of knowledge and when well this is anyone friends whatever no one's life is certain it's not going to go on forever so you can learn a lot from them the things you're going to miss when they're gone is a lot of the questions you didn't ask or those kind that of, you can learn a lot from people so yeah that's something i've definitely learned no it's, it's definitely very very um it's something really worthwhile to like reflect on for ourselves eh? and i think one thing i've learned is like there was times in my life, um, and I'm, I'm by far still a work in progress, but like I've come a long way. But you know, where where things like alcohol and and these things were a real issue for me, and with my lack of understanding, I would blame the actual like drink or or you know like the casino or you know whatever. And actually, it's about questioning yourself and what is going on within you that's creating these things to be like an attachment or or an addiction um because if you look around the world like there are people that can have one beer or two beers and have a nice time and socialize or even go out and have a big night out but that's you know every now and then and mm. uh, or they can go and gamble and do it for fun and you know once a year or something like that or um they many people utilize social media for good and it's not uh, addictive um so i think we can often easily blame the thing and say oh i need to just cut this out all together. and that may be part of the journey to say cut things out for a while but i think when we blame the the tool or the object or the thing it's not addressing the issue the underlying it's like what is it within me what am I, what feelings am I trying to escape or what am I, yeah, what am I trying to dull down or what am I not facing within me that I'm utilizing probably subconsciously, you know, these things to, to, to kind of as a coping mechanism or, or a tool to kind of not address what I need to. So that was, that's, that's a big thing for me. And like you said, man, it's, um, yeah, like we we can do so much better with being present. And I, for one, man, one of the things with my business is I find it very, very challenging. It's a new experience. I mean, obviously, the business has been going for over two years now. But, you know, these two years has been an experience where I need to learn how to switch off from something. Um, so it's about, it's not blaming the business, though. It's like, what is it within me that keeps my mind attached here? Um mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's cool to kind of hear your experiences and hear you reflect on on that. And um, 
it's something insightful for people I think that they can take away from this and start to question as well um but but bro just a quick one I I, I obviously the the challenge that Jono got to lands in that you did was unbelievable I'm grateful that you did it because our good buddy Dean Adamson who's one of your yeah, Dean, boy, back today by the way Oh, mate, we're gonna to have to. I think we're seeing him on Saturday. We'll get to yeah. that. About what's happening on Saturday? But um, I, I'm thankful you did it. Uh, it inspired me. It made me see see things. But like, one of the coolest bits was our buddy Dean, who's who has was my teammate at the time. Guy I love, get along with really well. He he came to me. He's like, bro, my good buddy Will. He's running this marathon, uh, ultra marathon. He's like four days in, his body is battered. Um, uh, Dean had been on the Pure Sports CBD for some of his injuries. He was like, bro, can we, I'm driving down to help run with him and support him. Can we, can I grab some CBD to take him? Because I think he's going to need it, bro. Um, tell me a bit about that experience. And, and it's a moment I'm always thankful for. So shout out to Dean for that. Yeah, big up Dean, the connector. Um, yeah. Um, it was it was it was a strange it was a strange experience for me and as I alluded to earlier I'd always been interested in recovery so like I was doing the cryotherapy I'd had CBD before but it was like at a gym where you put it in a shake and I was like well, I don't know and I didn't know if the CBD was good or whatever listened to a lot of podcasts was always super interested in it I'd never actually I'd never actually bought it myself other than the four dollar extra or something it cost to equinox gym um so when john and slams end started i was i was i would say i was very naive by the way um but as a kid growing up like we would get from mum from mum if if we we're in pain or if we were sick or whatever you might get some paracetamol and ibuprofen but unless you really really need something that's as far as it's going she was a nurse she was smart I was young, dumb, and pointing the finger against the man, like, why? Like, like, if I'm in pain, just give me something that's actually going to fix it. Anyway, pretty pretty poor story this is, but obviously my mum had drugs for when she was going through cancer, and we had some codeine. It had a name on, Miss Amanda Gooch. It's in the medical box. I'm going to run 875 miles. I'm going to be in some pain see the codeine and like come in with me medical bag done um this is where the naivety starts read it read the package may cause drowsiness take up to eight pills a day i'm like i'm gonna be tired anyway because i'm out here 16 18 hours a day drowsiness is fine i've got that already so let's pop them i'm going through the day so i stop every six miles by the way every six miles i have a can of coke or red bull Codeine pill or every or every other one. So codeine pill, Red Bull, sweet, carry on. First day is obviously fine. Second day seems okay. I know I'll run as high as I spoke about earlier. It's a feeling of like you can carry on going for everywhere. You might get like a rush sensation in your legs. You feel great. This is something that I, I still get today. I got it yesterday when I was running. I redefine run as high as seeing shit that wasn't there and i don't know if you've had them or know what they are but night terrors so a lot of hallucinations not being with it i kind of lost who i am quite a nice guy even in 
the worst of times and I was turning into the shittiest bloke to my team my team members that were there off their own back no one was getting paid people were literally there giving me their time paying out of pocket for their expenses whatever I'm being I'm being a bit of a wanker I ain't gonna lie um and I'm doing this for nine days and it's getting progressively worse so I start at 63 miles and it goes like 55 50 and then falls off a cliff the fourth day I do 30 miles roll my ankle i have insane inflammation from the hips down both knees both ankles everything's getting wrapped up um i'm still popping pills like it's fun no none of these evenings i slept properly at all um i can't convey what was happening in there but for the like the next hour i would either think i did a good job in the middle of the night like a good job throughout the night when i wasn't sleeping and tossing and turning or a bad one which makes absolutely no sense because i wasn't moving other than rolling around in pain doing this for nine days someone's job well someone gets someone gets told like they're concerned about me because obviously i'm doing stories and people are seeing how i'm acting and whatnot and people are concerned the, the team are getting messages like something's really not right with will right now like is there what what's he doing what's he taking and obviously they know because i'm asking for the coding like before bed coding when i wake up coding um so they're saying they're like that is <laughs> the dumbest idea ever and a lot of people listening to this will be thinking you're an idiot and you're completely right i was an idiot um so it's my brother my brother gets the job because he can he can he can take on a fuck you from me because he's my brother so he's like it's day nine halfway through the day i've just woke up from a nap the, the um, one closest to us can take the oi fuck off and make him you can get it back yeah. from him and it's yeah exactly yeah exactly so he was gonna take it i woke up from the nap i've been dribbling i was still spaced out cloudy well it comes along well you can't take coding anymore literally this is what i said all right mum because that's what i normally say when my mum was loud when i wasn't allowed proper drugs or whatever all right mum like relax like it's yeah. fine no he's like no nah, seriously you're not taking it anymore have an ibuprofen or have a look and keep going and at this point the team had been talking for a few days about reevaluating my time schedule and when i was going to finish because initially i said two weeks which would have been mental um going like that was a that was a high bar to raise not really training or being ready for it how many miles a day or kilometers a day would two weeks have been targeted for that uh, for the whole i think it was six i think it was 60. that's yeah. crazy 60 yeah. miles a day for two weeks for a dude yeah. who had never run back to back like you'd done you'd run ultra marathons but never back to that so i'll wing it just like those tests and school yeah. yeah after that conversation with robbie i have the cbd at this point by the way as you said dean dean brought it out to me on day four but i hadn't taken it because i almost didn't want to ruin my flow of what i was doing i was day four was my worst day by the way so taking you something know, out you don't know do you when you're in the moment it's like you stick with what you know until otherwise happens um robbie comes out after I told my brother to fuck off about the coding and he was like, we've been speaking for a few days between us. Like, we think you're going to be finishing next Wednesday, which was like 18 days. And I was like, first off, 
the initial thought I had was, you, you motherfucker, you speaking behind my back about how long am we going to take? And you haven't, and it's taken you three, three days to man up and fucking tell me this. Like I was pissed. And then, and then I was, then I instantly and very quickly became disappointed in myself that this was actually a reality of what it could be. Like they're not, they're saying 18 days. Then Robbie's like, the information's mad. You've you started off well. You're you're going downhill. Like you're you're around forty miles. Some like you did that thirty. Your information is crazy. He's like, this is this is our plan now. He was like, you can either go today and get to fifty miles, and then we give you an entire day off, and you do. I think it was like forty five miles a day uh, to to finish on that Wednesday. I'm pissed off still at this point. Thinking like, stop fucking talking to me about what the maths is because I don't care. And then, then I'm in a mood where I'm like, I'm gonna prove I'm gonna prove him wrong. <laughs> and what I didn't know at this point was my brother said when Robbie got back in the car because they they were crewing one of them together. He was he said to Robbie he was like he's he's gonna finish before Wednesday. He was like I think he'll finish on I think he's gonna finish on Monday. From that point on, I'd obviously stop taking codeine. This is halfway through day nine. I think I got to 55 miles that day, which was obviously more than I'd done most of the days before. And then that night, I was like, oh, I can't take coding, can I? So I was like, ah, that, I got that CBD from Dean's Kiwi, mate, Grayson. I was like, that's, that's natural. No one can tell me I can't take that. So now I go, bash, under the tongue. Go to sleep. Next day, one of my brother's friends, Alistair Cook, uh, highest test score in cricket big deal he surprises me by waking me up um he's coming to run with me that day i didn't know it was happening he wakes me up opens the door i'm like oh i'm like what the fuck are you doing here and then the t then i think it was joshua robbie come in there like bro you're right you look you look really tired is you, you okay and then instantly i was like it's like you just woke me up from deep sleep i haven't had that for the previous nine nights like I didn't have that, and all I was I was buzzing, and you can see on the on the movie they put together. They're they're spoken to afterwards by the camera guy Ben, and Robbie goes, "It's amazing, man! Like all the inflammation out his knees and ankles." Sorry about this accent. If you ever listen to this, Robbie, <laughs> we have lost Will again. He'll be back, I hope. But yeah, pretty uh, pretty unbelievable. Um, how firstly like it's amazing to kind of see the insight into Will's experience with coding how I, I feel it can actually although it, things like that may be helpful in short term if over prolonged use may actually get in the way of the body's natural ability to recover and function um, and I had these experiences with my knee injury um, in the peak of my rugby career uh, I, I was in a lot of pain and trying to train and play to the same capacity and I was very, very reliant on heavy painkillers um, like codeine. So it's uh, wheels back. Um, so no, it's, it's fascinating to see and I'm sure there's many others that have had a similar experience with these opioid and, you know, bloody, you know, I won't sugarcoat it, very toxic painkillers. Um, although they can have short-term effects that may be helpful, 
they're not designed to be in our bodies over a long time. They kind of block us from our natural capacity to um, adapt to the situation. And uh, it's quite amazing, Will, that that was your, you know, I mean, it's not, I'm not surprised, but mm. it's, it's a, a really great insight into how these things may seem like a good idea. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, these block the pain. These will help me get through this run. And they may have had that effect for a short term, but actually it became a negative effect. You weren't sleeping right. Your moods were altered. Your clarity of mind was altered. Your body's ability to adapt was altered. So what I love the most about that story is um, that you, it's something that's relatable to so many people. Like we're taught or we live in a culture that wants the quick fix. It's mm -hmm. like painkiller master pain i i had a road player you had it on your uh, ultra marathon but i know in my experience it's not sustainable it's not good and it doesn't have the desired effects and it actually has adverse effects long term um and it's pretty amazing that you know you saw that firsthand in a, in a pretty swift turnaround with yeah, your a very quick period of time and what I missed was the juicy part after that was from that point on I ran 60 miles plus every day until the end on day 16 which I I did 45 because that's all that was left um, and I had my biggest day I think it was two days after that where I did 72 so I woke up in the middle of the night and did another 12 at 2 a.m. so I had a, a an insanely profound experience using pure sports CBD and I'm not in that environment anymore, so I'm not saying that happens because I'm not I'm I'm not in that scenario. But I still get I still get all those positive effects just in smaller ways, whether I'm doing a challenge like I'm doing now, or just in day to day normal life. So yeah. I, wow. I I was deep in it as soon as soon as I took it, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a very sort of organic way of growing. Um, our, our friendship as just like a standpoint then and then into what we're doing now where you guys are supporting me and hopefully I'm helping you in some way as well. No, man, it's, um, it ties in perfectly with Pure Sport, what we're all about, you know, something that happened off the cuff and naturally, uh, you know, I, I didn't anticipate any form of promotion or coverage. I was Dean just said, hey, bro, my mate's having a tough time. I, I reckon the CBD can help him. And that's the kind of guy you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, I mean, obviously I was inspired by the journey. And I was like, man, I want to help out um, no matter what. So it's uh, it's cool. Like it, it kind of fits perfectly in line with like we as Pure Sport, are, uh, Pure Sport are a community. You know, we're about, yes, the amazing benefits of CBD, of our of our cbd um and but it's about a deeper picture as well of understanding our own health and well-being and how cbd yes can play a part in this but it can play a bigger part as well in terms of educating ourselves on a lifestyle um and educating ourselves to see through some of the cultural um i think sticking points that we have around quick fixes uh, and that's what inspires me hugely about the CBD movement and pure sport as a community is we're about a group of people who love the products, 
who are about understanding a bigger picture um, health and lifestyle movement. And man, you've played a huge part in that. Um, you know, the challenges that you do, the, the guy that you are, um, you, you generate a lot of interest. People are interested in you. And uh, I, I, I think it's so cool that Pure Sport since that day has become just a given part of your lifestyle. And it's not a, it's not like you're promoting or trying to sell shit. It's like you're just talking about what you use mm -hmm. and what you benefit from on a daily basis. So that's the same we have for anyone who represents us, who's part of our team, community. So now it's, um, it's cool and I'm glad we could we were able to share that with people. And then that takes us into the um, this current challenge the 12 marathons of Christmas. Mm -hmm. so, so Will's gone on to take on board some crazy challenges. Not long ago, he did, he ran for 24 hours straight, which was insane. Uh, would have faced some some mental and physical demons there. Uh, I joined you for, I think, 12 kilometers, um, which to me at the time was a big, big challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so much respect for that. Um, now the 12 marathons I want to touch on because this is something that, you know, you're, you're on day, this is day three now. Yeah. Um, so Will is running a marathon a day for 12 days. And the man is living his life. Like, it's not like he's sitting there resting, recovering. Of course, he's doing the things that he has to do. He's he's doing his recovery protocol. But the man worked yesterday. The man was on, on set for a whole day, caught the train to Manchester, caught the train home ran a marathon and completed it at 1.30 a.m. So this dude's taking on 12 marathons all the while doing all the other aspects of his life that he has to do. So if that ain't inspiring, man, like, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, and all the while, um, Will is um, putting out his um, fundraising for Macmillan Cancer uh, Research, which is an unbelievable cause. And obviously, as you know, something that's dear to his heart through the the passing of his um, beloved mum Mandy something close to my heart with my old man um, passing away from cancer um pure sport is is like unbelievably proud to to have will representing us proud of this challenge proud of all the cool shit will does um and what we're doing is we are supporting will through the run um through this campaign uh so what we're saying is we want anyone out there to run as many kilometers as you please, you can run one kilometer, you can run, I don't know if you're a madman, you can run 100 if you want, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you do that. And what you do is you run your kilometers, you donate to the link in the Pure Sport bio, um, that you donate a pound per kilometer that you run, you tag Pure Sport and Will Googe, let us know how much you ran and donated, Pure Sport will match your donation. Uh, because we just want to get this out there as much as possible. We think it's an amazing thing, an amazing cause. Not only great for the charity, but it's inspiring for people to test their limits, go out, get be part of something bigger, part of our community. So get involved, people. Um, the other thing is this Saturday um, at Hyde Park, everything's going to be social distanced. Um, we're going to set off in small groups. Um, 11 a.m. we're meeting. There'll be a spot that we will put out on our social media to meet. Uh, we're going to run. That's going to be Will's sixth marathon of this campaign. Uh, I'm attempting to run a full marathon. Um, if you know me, you know I've got absolutely buggered knees. So I'm going to do my best. If Will can get through 875 miles, 
Uh, I'm going to try get through 40, uh, 875 miles. I'm going to try get through 42 kilometers. I'm not going to take coding. I'm going to be CBD only. I'm going to be lathering up my joint with the balm. I'm yeah. having a tincture in my pocket on the way. Um, but my inspiration will be the fact that Will's doing 12 of these. He's on his sixth, so I'm going to try get through one. But we welcome anyone to come along. You can run as little or as much as you want. You can run one kilometer. You can run the whole marathon with us yeah. i know we will be hugely grateful for your support i will be it'll be a cool day to get people together obviously not too close with all the guidelines um and yeah i mean I, i'm excited i'm hugely excited for it um huge respect to will will we're gonna wrap yeah. up but i got a few quick fire questions that i want and i want you to try answer them within a sentence or two all right one yeah let's go wrap it up okay. All right. What's the best book that you've read? Uh, one I really like is Guns, Germs, and Steel. It's like a, it's a history book from when humankind began up until now. Very interesting. Good. Check that out. Um, this is going to be a tough one to answer in a short one. If you can summarize in a sentence or two, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned to date? Embrace the suck. Say that again, embrace. Control the controllable. Control embrace the, controllable. the suck, control the controllable. Mm. So shit That's things the, are going to happen. Freedom and control. Yeah. Mm. If shit does happen, it's, it's like right? like, yeah. Shit ain't going to go to plan, but we got to face it, get through it. No, I love that. Um, another thing, okay, maybe a tough one to summarize, but I, I'd say you're an inspiration for quite a lot of young dudes that look up to you. Um, what is what is the biggest lesson you've learned from relationships with girls? Relationships with girls. I think if they're not gonna accept you for who you are, then stop stop wasting your time. You shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to change for anybody. You should always be your true self. And if that isn't it, then don't don't try and change who you are to please someone else. Bloody good advice. And it goes vice versa, doesn't it? Yeah, don't exactly. Same way. You shouldn't and you shouldn't if if you're if you're with someone, you shouldn't want to change them. You shouldn't. You should love them for who they are, their flaws and all. So yeah, pretty good. Where would you like to be, and what would you like to be doing in ten years' time? Ten years' time, <laughs> I don't know. I would have wanted to. So I'm all about building my life resume. Um, so when it's all said and done, I want to have a list of things I've done that aren't particularly normal and I've learned lessons from. So. 10 years from now, I'm going to be 26. I'm still going to be wanting to do some mad running challenges. Um, where that is, I don't know. I have goals to run across America like Robbie did. I feel that's a rite of passage for me. Um, yeah, still running, still doing challenges. So not changing too much, but yeah, more secure, I'd say. I don't know if I misheard you, but I think you said in 10 years you're going to be 26. That would yeah. be Just to let the people know out there, we'll, we'll I'm not <laughs> Who was addicted to coding for his run? <laughs> All good. Nah, mate. Honestly, bloody pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to have you part of Pure Sport. Um, love all that you're doing. Proud to call you a mate. And uh, I'll see you probably in about half an hour because you got your third marathon. I'm running ten kilometers with you as a warm up for my attempted marathon on Saturday. So. Thank you so much, bro, and I uh, hope the people enjoyed that. Uh, I sure did, and see you soon. 
I want to give a big shout out to you personally as well, Grayson, and everyone at Pure Sport, because the level of commitment you show, show me and a lot of your other ambassadors, you go as a business and as a, as a person, you always seem to go over and above what is what is normal. And that's why you'll be successful in what you do. And that's why I consider you a very close friend of mine. So just know that it means a huge deal to me. And if anyone's listening to this, the CBD products work. I think you should try them. And even if you even if you're thinking that you don't want to or you have questions about it, reach out to someone, they'll answer your questions. And if you're going to support someone, support this guy in this brand. Because yeah, this this is not regular stuff. This is not he's not a normal human being in what he does. He could be straight business and just look at profit margins, but he's not, he's looking at people. So yeah, big love to you. G. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And I mean yeah, you you uh, we we're about the we want people to be part of it you know so anyone that uses our products you're part of our team um mm. will's part of our team you know we we look at our customers as you're one of us so we want you to get the best out of your experience with our products but just life you know that's why we set this brand up so now i really appreciate the kind words man and uh i'll see you very soon little 10 clicks come on <laughs> Big love.